Hey everyone, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bueller, and I'm here with my co-host and twin sister, Brittany. Hey guys. This is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics, and today we are excited to bring you an interview with Arkansas redshirt senior Maggie O'Hara. Maggie transferred to the University of Arkansas for her final year of gymnastics and has been killing it ever since. She is currently ranked 12th in the nation on bars, and Arkansas is ranked 5th as a team, and they are just getting started. This is a team that is on the rise. Stick around until the end of the episode to hear from Maggie on her success so far and to learn more about why she wanted to be a part of this Razorback team. We also give our thoughts on the LSU Florida meet, LAU's debut, finally, woo, as well as the return of Michigan. So lots of exciting things that we're breaking down in this episode. But before we get into it, we want to real quickly thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. Thank you to Blake B, Elaine E, Rydog, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, and Amy C. Thank you guys so much for supporting us each month at the highest tier level. Your support means so much to us, and we love you so much, so thank you. And now, let's get into the episode. Okay, so before we get into the interview with Maggie, we wanted to do a quick little recap of week six of college gymnastics. It's been a while since we've actually sat down and talked about the actual gymnastics that's been happening. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that I wanted to talk about was UCLA's midweek meet, so the meet that they had on Wednesday versus BYU. And I wanted to ask your thoughts on the gold leotard, because I know a lot of people on the gym today hate it. A lot of people like it. It's kind of like a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it? I don't necessarily hate it, but I also don't like love it or anything. It kind of reminds me of Gold Dust, the WWE wrestler. <laughs> Honestly, I could see it. But it's not like I hate it or anything. I'm just not really a big fan of an all gold leotard. But I will say that it's nice to see UCLA switch it up a little bit because they normally do wear just all blue. Yeah. All navy blue. They occasionally like break through with a different type of leotard. But so it's nice to see them in something different. I think the leotard definitely pops, but Just not my favorite color, personally. What did you think? See, I kind of liked it. Like you said, I think it's different than anything we've seen before. I feel like the last time we saw a gold leotard was like, what, Jordan Weber 2011? Probably. (laughs) I mean, maybe there's been another one since then, but... You don't see yellow or gold leotards too often. Because I think it's hard to do and pull it off the right way. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like very few people could actually pull that off. It does look good on several of UCLA's athletes, I will say that. It's not like my personal favorite color for a leotard, but like Mark Zach looks phenomenal in it. I was gonna say I feel like the black athletes in particular look stunning in this. Mm-hmm. They really like stand out in it and it's really flattering against their skin tone but um, yeah I, I, mean, I kind of like it. I feel like it's a different color. I think that the bedazzle down the front is kind of cool so um, I could see maybe why people wouldn't like it as much but I don't know I didn't hate it. Something else that happened this past week starting with UCLA's meet on Wednesday and then also going into the weekend when they competed against Washington was Marzetta Frazier's new floor routine and we got to finally see the debut of her long-awaited routine we knew that she had something up her sleeves we just didn't know quite what it was and it is a janet jackson routine which i absolutely love so janet actually reposted mars's whole floor routine and she also retweeted nia so maybe she's becoming a ucla gymnastics fan (laughs) honestly she probably is and i bet you if there was actually allowed to be like fans in attendance that she'd probably come to ucla that would be awesome wouldn't that be sick Mm -hmm. I do like this routine for Mars, though. I think it's growing on me the more and more I watch it. At first, I was kind of like, it's not, it's not my favorite routine. It's not yeah. that I don't like it. It's not at all that, because let's be real. Like, Mars can do anything, and it would be amazing. <laughs> she could go out on the floor and lay out, like, literally lay on the floor, and it would be amazing. <laughs> um, she's just such a great dancer, and she performs the heck out of whatever she does. So, like, her routines are always amazing. I will say that it's not probably my favorite routine of her just because I'm not really a big Janet Jackson fan I'm not really familiar with a whole lot of her music so that doesn't really speak to me at all in that way but that's not to say that it's not an amazing routine and that she doesn't perform it like super well I think the thing that I love the most about this routine is 
all the little beats that she hits and how difficult the choreography actually is. She's doing like the real choreography from the music video, like the whole section with Rhythm Nation. Yeah. That's a really, really difficult, intense choreography to be doing. And she does it so well. She looks just like the dancers in the music video. Yes, I didn't realize until she posted a clip on Instagram. It was like a side-by-side video of her doing her floor routine and then a clip from the music video or, or something. I'm not exactly sure if it's the music video. Yeah, it was the music video. Okay. Well, because I've never seen it before, but she looks exactly like the dancers in the video. Like, you could put Mars right in there, and she would just blend right in. Yeah. And last week in our interview with BJ Dash, she said that she feels like Shay Campbell has, like, a potential career in being a dancer. Mm -hmm. Like, a backup dancer. But I'm like, so does Mars, honestly. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, obviously, she's been a gymnast her whole life, but her performance quality and just the way that she moves, she totally has a future in some sort of, like, performing realm, you know, yeah. when she's done with gymnastics. Yeah. I could totally see it. But, um, I mean, I agree. I think right off the bat, it wasn't necessarily my favorite routine either. I love her freshman year routine. That's my personal favorite. I think her, my favorite is her sophomore routine. Really? Yeah. I mean, they're all good. Yeah. And like you said, the more that I watch this one, I feel like the more that I'm just going to continue to fall in love with it and it'll be up there as you know one of the greatest routines UCLA has ever had I'm sure I want to say that Shay Campbell's routine you kind of briefly mentioned it that routine might be my favorite floor routine ever of all time I love it yeah it's it's so greatly choreographed and you wouldn't expect her to be able to dance that well like if you go and watch some videos of her before coming to UCLA it was just like whatever like she didn't really stand out it was just like any other gymnastics floor routine out there mm -hmm. but now she's at ucla she's been given this amazing choreography from bj das and she totally kills it so that will probably be honestly one of my favorite floor routines of all time i i watch it several times daily honestly i do too <laughs> no shame when i'm feeling a little bit stressed i just lock myself away in a room and pull up her floor routine and watch <laughs> I want to talk about LIU's very first ever gymnastics meet. Yes. So, it's so, so good. Yeah, I was really surprised, honestly. I wasn't really sure what to expect from them, just because it is their first season, and then with everything going on in the world with the pandemic, and they had some international athletes, which we'll talk about here in a second, that weren't able to compete. So I, I just wasn't really sure what to expect from them, but I was surprised. I, I was very, very pleased with what I saw from them. This is kind of a growing year for them as a team because it is their first season. There's a lot of firsts, you know, the first home meet, the first away meet, their first, you know, everything. Everything is a first with this team, which is really cool to see. But it's also about getting experience because this is a really young team. They have all freshmen and sophomores, 16 freshmen, four sophomores. So a very, very, very young team. And then when you take that combined with the unusual preseason, it's just a challenging year. It's a challenging year for all these teams, right. but even more so for a brand new program. So it was great to see them finally get out there, compete. It was a home meet for them. We got to see their very first leotard. Absolutely loved it. And there was so much good about that first meet, even as far as like how the meet was broadcasted. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. a live stream, a free live stream, yeah. but to see, you know, the Twitter account being run. I believe a lot of people that were from the gymnastics community were kind of involved in, you yeah. know, getting the the online stats, the the Twitter account, I saw taking photos. Photos, yep. Someone was manning the camera. We don't we don't know exactly who all did what. But yeah, there was a lot of gym internet involvement with this. Which, which we'd love to see. Super cool, yeah. So I mentioned there was a couple athletes that didn't compete. That was one thing that was mentioned on the broadcast a couple times where they were kind of on vault, for example, struggling to field the full lineup. They only had five vaults. Um, and that's because they don't have their full potential right now. So for starters, they have Talia Foligno, who's from Australia, and then Mara, which I'm not going to sit here and act like I know how to pronounce her last name. I don't have any idea how to pronounce it, <laughs> but she's from the Netherlands. So Talia and Mara, they have not been cleared yet by the NCAA to be eligible to compete. So... They're saying that Mara should be able to compete by their fourth meet, so in a couple weeks. 
And then hopefully Talia will be a little bit sooner than that. But I think that they're going to make a big contribution to this team once they're eligible to compete. They're also missing two of the bigger names that they had coming in. Emma Brown, who of course is a transfer from Denver. I read online that she opted out for this season. Okay. So we're not yeah. going to be seeing her. And then also Kel Bixler. She's a former elite gymnast. She was originally committed to Oklahoma. So a really big catch for them. Those are two really big catches for them. Yeah. Um, she did say on Instagram that she's dealing with a minor injury, but she said the comeback is going well and she hopes to be back soon. So hopefully a little bit later in the season we'll get to see her because I'm really looking forward to see you know where she's going to contribute for this team and how she can help them. But let's talk about the meet itself. Lauren Miller was the very first girl to ever compete. Obviously, they started on vault. The very first vault, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. Can but... you imagine? Mm-hmm. Not only the pressure, but also just the excitement and the pride of knowing that like you're going to be the very first person to ever compete for LIU. Yeah. Like, you look back on the history books, like, yeah, you are the very first gymnast to ever wear an LIU leotard and raise your hands for the judges and land that vault and then, you know what I mean, have that yeah. routine. That's a very cool moment. So Lauren Miller, she has that moment forever. Katie Koopman was the first all-arounder for them, and she did pretty well. She got a 9-6 on bars. They said that she hadn't competed bars in three years. Yeah. So that was really impressive. She had a really nice triple twist on floor, so coming with the big skills, love that. And then Allison Lapp, I think that you and I were both really impressed with her, but the gym turned as well. She was their highest scorer of the day. She had a 9-7 on bars, a 9-8 on beam. I was really surprised with their beam. They had some really beautiful beam workers and a lot of potential there. Yeah. The leadoff athlete had a triple series, which I was really impressed with. Mm-hmm. And the whole lineup was pretty consistent. Yeah, like, honestly, I was very pleasantly surprised. I, I didn't know, you know, bars and vault looked a little bit rough. But I think that in comparison, floor and beam were actually pretty strong and showed a lot of potential. Yeah, they had five hit routines on beam. So I think that might possibly be their strongest event. And then you mentioned vault. They did have only five athletes go up on that event, but I see a lot of potential there as well because they had some girls do just like layout, like a layout timer type thing. Yeah. But a lot of potential. Like these were high layouts that you could very easily add a twist to. So I think that as the season goes on, they get, you know, a little bit more time, not only just out on the competition floor, but more time in the gym. I think that with the pandemic and, you know, coming to a brand new campus. Okay, well, hold on. The campus isn't new, but a new gymnastics team. Yeah, everything is new. Like, yeah. Literally everything about it is new. Um, lots of craziness. So I think that we are going to see a little bit of a slower start throughout this whole season for this team. Obviously, it's, you know, mid-February and they're just now competing for the first time, but I think that the expectations are low for them in that sense, and that's not, like, that's not meant to be offensive. I'm just saying, like, I think that nobody's really expecting them to come out and be, like phenomenal right off the bat we're understanding to the situation so i was really really pleased with how they did they posted a 190575 to new hampshire's 192 so you know that's a score it's a it's a score for them they were able to put up a full lineup on each event okay well not a full lineup but they were able to get enough scores to count for a team score to get a decent team score yes you know we've seen teams like bowling green not even be able to do that until just now in the season as well. So it's impressive given all the factors that they were able to come out right away in their first meet and be able to compete and have a score like that. They will have their next home meet, which is going to be a pride meet. I know a lot of people are excited about that. That will be Friday, February 26th, and they're going to be hosting Towson. So that should be a good one that we'll definitely have to tune in for. So we're recording this episode on Monday and we wanted to wait because Michigan had a meet today at three o'clock Eastern time. So we kind of wanted to wait until after that happened to record this episode. And I'm so glad that we did because Michigan had a phenomenal meet. So they were out for almost three weeks. They had a little bit of a pause just with, you know, an increase in COVID cases in Washtenaw County, which is where Ann Arbor and University of Michigan is. And then also just with the sports teams, not with the gymnastics team, but I guess U of M athletics as a whole, there was a rise in cases. So they completely put a halt to everything for two weeks. And at the time that they had last competed, 
until now, it ended up being close to three weeks mm-hmm. that they actually didn't compete. And mind you, this isn't just not competing. This is also, they weren't allowed to train. Yeah. So they took all that time off and they came back and honestly, it looks like they never left. They picked up right where they left off. They were so good. So they scored a one nine seven six five. Michigan's coming for that natty title. Honestly, they are. I'm so happy for them to see them come out. It was their flip for chip meet, which I feel like that meet always is a good meet for Michigan. Like, Uh I feel like the girls are always just so pumped up, so motivated, so inspired. Some of their highest scores always come from that meet. Yeah, it's this meet and then it's Elevate the Stage. Those are always, like, the two (laughs) meets for Michigan that are, like, fire. Yeah. So I was really happy to see them put together a complete performance. Really no major errors. Like, in the previous meet with Minnesota, you know, they had two falls on beam, two falls on floor. We didn't see any of that today. Everybody was really solid all around. Natalie Wojcik got a 10 on beam. Lon deserves. Yes. So, so happy for her because she's going out week after week and put up, for the most part, near flawless beam routines yeah. every week. That's the thing. Like, she got a 10 for this beam routine, but, like, she has so many routines that look exactly like that. Yeah. Like, there's not anything necessarily special about this beam routine compared to some of her others. It's just what she always does. <laughs> it's normal for yeah. her. If you go and watch the routine from... 2019 nationals where she won the balance beam title that routine was just as beautiful so yeah it's been long awaited very well deserved now i want her to get one on bars next well and floor i'm going for like the perfect 40 oh me too she needs to have like the whole the whole nine yards yeah i'm just saying bars is gonna be next like i feel like she's on the brink of perfection there yeah i feel like if there's any event that she's least likely to get a 10 it probably would be on floor that's the one event because she's just not late enough in the lineup mm-hmm. um not to say that it couldn't happen but um, either way i'm here for it she's perfection gabby wilson on floor she was another highlight for me she scored a 9925 in my opinion, she was on track for getting a time with that routine as well. Her first two tumbling passes were so solid. Her leaps were great. Like, her mm. leaps are, like, next level. Yeah, I normally don't really pay attention to stuff like leaps, but she did Or them. jumps, I should say. Yeah. I guess I should say jumps. They weren't leaps. You know what I mean. Right. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I literally was like, Wow. When she did them. Yeah. They were like maxed out. Yeah. They and were then the last pass, she had a little bit too much power. It was still a good routine. She ended up scoring a 9925, like I said, but which sucks because that means one judge gave it a 995. And if she wouldn't have taken this hop on the landing, it, that judge would have given her a 10. I know. It's painful. It's literally painful to me, but it's coming. I feel like Gabby Wilson is so good on that event. We didn't quite see it, you know, at the last meet with Minnesota, with, you know, her having, she was one of the people that fell, but. Super uncharacteristic for her. It was. Yeah, she's normally rock solid on that event. And um, her choreography this year, I think, is one of, like, my all-time favorites for Michigan. Yeah. You know, Michigan is one of those teams that isn't really known for, like, having super good choreography. Like, they're just not known for their choreography like some other schools are. Mm -hmm. But Gabby Wilson's routine, it's right up there with some of the best, I feel like. She's such a natural performer, and I feel like she hits every beat of the music. She has... Big, sharp movements. She really emphasizes certain parts. And I I don't know. I just love it. So if you haven't checked out her routine, I definitely would go take a look at it. They posted her full routine on Twitter, Michigan Dead. And I'm sure it'll be up on YouTube at some point, too. Okay, so now let's get into what I assume is going to be the meat of this podcast. I mean, aside from the Maggie O'Hara interview, because I feel like that's obviously the biggest part of this whole episode. But we have a pretty lengthy discussion that we want to have about... I would say the biggest meet that happened over the past weekend, which was Florida versus LSU, number one and number two teams in the nation. And it was a nail biter for sure. Mm -hmm. It literally came down to the very last pass of the very last routine. Yeah, Haley Bryant needed a 9.875 to clinch it for LSU. And she fell. And nobody was really expecting that. It was shocking. Yeah. I thought that for sure LSU had it in the bag. I heard that she needed a 9875, and I'm like, it's over. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way that she's going to get below a 9875. Yeah. Especially with the way scores were, like, <laughs> flying off the rails. Yes. And literally the very last pass, she falls. So uncharacteristic of her. And I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, like, what that feels like to, to basically have an entire me riding on your shoulders. Like, you do what you normally do, and you're going to win. And it's a really big meet for them to win. Yeah, as I say, it's not just any other meet. Like, it's LSU versus Florida, number one, number two. Like, this is a pretty big meet. There's bragging rights on the line here. 
And yeah, like at the end of the day, like it's not the SEC championships. It's not the national championships. Like it could have been worse. Like you could do that at a bigger meet where there's actually like a title on the line. Yeah. This is more just like a... For your own, like, <laughs> I think it's just a bragging rights. Yeah, it's a pride thing. I think that there's a really big rivalry between these two schools within the SEC and in the nation. Literally two of the top teams in the nation, clearly, being ranked number one and number two. And, yeah, we knew it was going to be a really close meet. We knew there was going to be a lot of crazy scores. You know, we, we kind of right come, about to, that. come to expect it with SEC meets. I think overall, in my opinion, the right team won. I think that, you know, me and Ashley went back and we watched this meet twice. We watched it live when it was happening. And then we went back and watched it again the next morning, kind of with a clear head. And, you know, we really were analyzing it, going in depth with it. And I do think that Florida was the better team that day. But I do think that there was a lot of overscoring for both teams. And the thing is, is Brittany and I aren't really fans necessarily of either team. Look, we're not like biased to one team. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't. It's not. I, mean, I I feel like I would pick Florida if I was rooting. You know, if I had to pick one of the two teams to root for, I would pick Florida. But, but we're it's not, not like fans. yeah, like I don't have like an alliance with Florida in any way. So us saying these things or us watching the meet and kind of judging it on our own. We're being critical of both teams because we don't have any, like, emotional investment in either team. I'm able to watch any meet, really, but I was able to watch the meet and take deductions for both sides that were true deductions. And I don't really feel that it's biased because, like I said, I'm not invested in any team like any lsu could have won it wouldn't have done anything for me <laughs> it wouldn't have affected you would have went to sleep that night and been fine yeah and it, it is extremely frustrating if you guys follow us on twitter on our like blog our triple twist gym blog twitter we did kind of go on a little bit of a rant about this and we we posted our scores from when Brittany and i watched the meet and scored it ourselves and You probably already know how we feel about it, but I am very frustrated by just the continuous overscoring of certain top teams. And it's not just the SEC conference. We see it in the Pac-12 conference. We see it in certain schools, you know, here and there. Like Um, Oklahoma, over the weekend, they had a massive 1-8 score that probably shouldn't have went 1-8. Right. The thing is, is you can sit there and say, like, oh, well, both teams were overscored, so it's fine. What bothers me about it is this actually affects the rankings. And with this year in particular, NQS only takes your top four scores. You're not dropping the highest score. Two of your scores have to be from away meets, but other than that, you can have two away, two home. Right. And like I said, no dropping the highest score. So this score is very likely going to count for both teams, and it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel true because Brittany and I, when we went back and watched and we judged it ourselves, our scores were very, very different than what the actual score was. I know. And it's actually kind of funny because like, so both teams went over 198 and when we went back and scored it, we had LSU not even breaking 197. They were close to a 197 with our scores. Yeah. Um, it was a very high 196. So what we did is that me and Brittany each judged the meet on our own, and we each came up with our own team score as if the meet were just being judged by just one judge, which obviously that doesn't happen, but for the sake of doing this. Right, so there was like Ashley's score, and then there was my score. So I had Florida at a 1972 with LSU at a 1967. And then Brittany had Florida at 1976, and then LSU at 1975. So Brittany's a little bit of a Carol. Like, she she kind of goes a little bit, like, on the high end of I'm things. a little bit more generous. Like, I'm a little bit more willing to forgive, like, a little tiny, like, flexed foot or... And I'm not, not quite hitting 180 on a leap. Whereas Ashley was like, no, you're done. I took every deduction that there was to take. And to be honest, there were some routines where I was like, eh, like, I technically like, could take that. I'm not going to. There were some routines that even still you think this is harsh there's some routines that I still was generous with anyways then what we did is we took the scores that we had for each routine and then we averaged those like you would in an actual meet with two judges and then we came up with another set of team scores just for some comparison so the average of both of our scores was Florida with a 1974 and LSU with a 196875 and now let me remind you of the actual scores from this competition Florida was 19815, LSU 19805. So very, very different. Yes. Very far off yes. from each other. 
And it's just frustrating because judges are literally not doing their jobs. That's what it comes down to. It's not even just like being a little bit generous and overlooking something here and there. It's like they're blatantly not doing their job. And it's on both sides. Because, for example, there were some people on Twitter and they were kind of making it sound like we weren't being as critical with Florida as we were LSU. But like... For example, Naya Reed, she went 9925. She had a huge on bounce. Floor. Yes, on floor. She had a huge bounce back. On well, she went 9925 on vault, too. I just wanted to Yes, clarify. thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm not thinking. Yes, she, she got 9925 on both. But on floor, she took a huge bounce back on her second tumbling pass. And it's like, how did she get 9925? That, that means one judge only took a half tenth for that when that hop alone was a tenth. Yeah, or more. You could take more on that if you yeah. really wanted to. So it's like there's no way that should have ever gone that It's essentially high. mathematically impossible for her to have even gotten a 9925, but somehow she did. I got that routine as a 9-8. And her first two passes were pretty damn good. Yeah. Like there wasn't really anything to deduct on those. But between that and I think she was a little bit off on one of her, her jumps. I had that in a 9-8. The judges had 9925. How? I don't know. The other biggest discrepancy, I think, in the meet was Olivia Dunn on bars. She got a 9.85, which is a very generous score. I had it in more like the 9.7 range. And I think that was one of the routines where I was being a little bit generous. Yeah. There was definitely more you could have taken. She could have gotten in the 9.6 range. She got 9.85. It's like these judges just don't want to take. It's like they know what's on the line and they don't want to actually take anything more than they have to. Like they think it's not a I don't, you know what I mean? Or if it's not something like super massive, like a massive error. Yeah. LSU was leading the whole way through until the last rotation. And it was like, we said this and I think it ended up being true. Like you, you almost need LSU to fall for Florida to win because having a balance check on beam or going out of bounds on floor, anything like that. It's not counting for for shit. Yeah. They're not, they're not taking those deductions because like for example say Naya Reed was the anchor and Florida was on floor just like flip the flip the script here and say that she needed a 9875 to win well she just got a 9925 with her routine and it's like that's not right at all right so the whole thing is just a mess it's super frustrating I feel like the judges at this meet need to be reevaluated. they need to be retrained and if they're not going to do their job then they shouldn't be a judge because that's like showing up to work your shift at the grocery store and then refusing to ring up the customers honestly like truly <laughs> like, like you don't get to go to work and then not do your job would that fly with anybody else no it wouldn't so why does it get to fly with these judges well and like you said before what's really frustrating about it is that not all of the teams are being scored the same way. Like, in the nation, I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, you have teams like Florida, LSU, Oklahoma, UCLA. Those four teams in particular are pretty much known for always getting, like, overscored or really generous scoring, while teams in the Big Ten or other conferences, smaller conferences like the MAC Conference, for example, are really out there doing just as good of gymnastics and not even getting remotely close mm-hmm. to the same scoring as the SEC schools are. Yeah. And that's, or the top teams. And that's where it's not fair and it's not really, like, the rankings are not a true reflection of what you're actually seeing because there's some schools that will never, ever, ever stand a chance because they just don't get scored that way. They get scored like how you actually should be. They have to face real judges. Yeah. And, and it's not to say that, like, these teams don't deserve to be in the top of the rankings because it doesn't matter if you, you can, you can jumble around the big names and shuffle them around the rankings. It doesn't matter. They all deserve to be in that top, you know, top five. Yeah, for sure. But like, you could argue that like, is LSU the number two team in the nation right now? You could argue that. Yeah. Because they get overscored so much that it almost becomes not, true the rankings become not true because the scores are not true right like kind of like i mean granted we're not judges so who's to say that our scores are right you know you could sit there and argue that what we're saying is wrong but if lsu is getting a 198 and if we're being like act you know putting on our judge's hat and acting like a real judge and taking deductions that they're supposed to be taking and we're getting them at a a one nine high 196 to maybe a one nine low 197 yeah well, that's a pretty big difference yeah. from a one nine eight, and now that one nine eight is counting at their, you know, in their ranking. Yeah, and they're on QS. It's a score that they really 
didn't deserve and e- either team. For, yeah, yes. the same for Florida. This applies to both teams. And this isn't anything against the gymnasts. Like, we're not at all trying to crap on the gymnastics teams or the gymnasts. Oh, no, it has, it's it's not their it has fault. nothing to do with them. It's just it's annoying as a gymnastics fan to see the same teams over and over again getting favored by the judges. And I feel like that's just how you keep the same schools in the top of the rankings mm-hmm. and everybody else below them. Like, it needs to be, like, something needs to be worked out here so that way it's more fair across all of the conferences, across, you know, the entire NCAA. What needs to happen is you need to have judges that are trained properly, and I don't know if because of COVID they're bringing in local judges just to prevent traveling and people from out of state. That that does make sense. Yeah, because I know I, there was a lot of hoopla, you know, before this meet that all the judges were from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people were saying, like, what do you expect? Like, with COVID, like, we're not flying people out for this. Like, and that does make sense. It's going to be all local people. And, yeah, I get that. But this also is not something that just is happening this year. This has been happening right. for too long. So I don't know. I don't know. We don't really necessarily have a solution. Um, I think it's something that's very hard to change because it's not something that you can just change. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. you got to tell people to do their job and you have to rely on people and trust people to do their job. And sometimes you just can't trust people. <laughs> well, and if I'm not mistaken... I'm pretty sure that judges get, like, what am I trying to say? Like, rated by the coaches. So, like, at the end of the meet, Jay Clark basically has a very large say in if these judges at that particular meet get to come back again next year. So, Florida, for example, loves Carol. Because wasn't Carol at Florida? Pretty sure she was. But I think that plays a lot. And, again, I'm not, like, 100% sure. Like, I could be, like, kind of, like, slightly wrong in that. But I'm pretty sure there is something... That, like, the coaches evaluate the judges, and those evaluations have a really big say on, like, if those judges get to come back again. Mm -hmm. Basically, if they have a job. So I think that might also play into why we see, especially for the home team, whoever the home team is, you know, they tend to get higher scores because they want their job back, obviously, next season. So. They got to keep the coaches happy and the, the coaches, team happy. And the coaches want the judges back because they score their athletes well. Exactly. And they overlook little deductions that they, don't, that they don't have to actually go back and face because the judges just overlook it or they close their eyes during that part of the routine. So it's definitely a bit frustrating. I think Brittany and I spent a good portion of our Sunday watching this meet and getting very angry. <laughs> And we're a little bit better now. We're a little bit calmer now. But it's still very frustrating. And and the more and more it happens, the more and more annoyed I get by it. So I think everyone in the gymnastics world is along with us on that. That we're all very, very fed up with judges overscoring. And I wish that we could just see competitions where the athletes are judged based on what they truly do. Mm -hmm. and Because they don't need to be overscored. Like, truly. like Yeah. Florida, LSU, Oklahoma, UCLA, like, they don't need to be overscored. They're that good. Mm -hmm. They will be at the top of the rankings because they are that good. And their gymnastics speaks for itself. Like, they don't need the extra help from the judges. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, we'll we'll leave this rant here. We'll let this die here for now. (laughs) And we... This is the the hill that we're just going to die on, apparently. (laughs) But we will get into our very exciting interview with Maggie O'Hara, who is a transfer for the University of Arkansas, and she's totally killing it there. Love to see her thriving, and we hope you guys really enjoy our conversation with her. Start by talking about the success that you've had so far at Arkansas because you're 11th in the nation on bars. You already have an SEC Specialist of the Week honor, and then you've also set career highs, new career highs on bars and beam. So just talk about what it's been like joining this new team and then having so much success right off the bat. Yeah, um, it's been a ton of fun. This team is incredible. We have a lot of like very talented girls on the team, and everyone is so genuine. Like it is just so cool to be a part of. And, um, coming in, I was a little nervous because I'm a fifth year and I was like, Oh, are people going to feel weird about that? But they have just been so welcoming and made the transition so easy. So honestly, gymnastics has just kind of followed that. 
like I said, they've made it so easy. They make it so fun. We do a ton of intra squads in the gym and it's just like full energy all the time. And so when we go to the meets, it's like, it doesn't even feel like a meet. Like we've probably walked into three or four of our meets and been like, wow, this feels like another intra squad. Like it's really cool. So I feel like my performances have kind of just been a translation of our practices and my perspective on gymnastics has totally changed. I think that COVID has kind of played a part in that where I've been like, you know, anything can happen and injury and whatnot, but like I used to get nervous on beam and now I get up and I'm like, all right, it's time to perform. Like it's so fun. And it's just, it's so different than I used to think about it. So yeah, you look really confident and not to say that you didn't look confident before, but like something about you at Arkansas just seems different and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We set goals in like, I don't know, September, October. And one of my main goals was to look confident on beam specifically, because in the past, like I would watch my routines and be like, dang, I felt like that was really good, but I look miserable up there. And I wasn't, I was just so like dialed in. So I really worked with Caitlin um, throughout the whole preseason on faces and how to like really bring out my personality. Like we brought in two parts with a lightsaber and whatever. So it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and like on bars, it's so nice to see you doing so well. Cause like we, when you were at Michigan, like we always like loved your bars. We thought you were great, but now it seems like everybody else is finally realizing how great you are too. Cause you're getting a little bit more attention probably because you're in the SEC conference, but it's just so nice to see you getting like good scores, scores that you actually deserve. Thank so you. what has that been like for you competing, you know, in the SEC conference as compared to like the big 10 conference where things are a little bit different. Yeah, it, it's so different. Even though we don't have that many fans, like you can just tell that the energy is different. And it's like every single person in the arena just wants to see good gymnastics. Like it doesn't feel like they're just there or like, oh, we're just here because we know somebody here. Like people love gymnastics down here and they just love the meets. And like so many people can watch it on TV. Like it's way more available than Big Ten meets were. And so it's just been really cool to have that following and like bars specifically, like I love bars. That's my favorite event. That's where I feel most like myself. And it, it finally just feels like I'm not like being appreciated more, but like people are noticing that like I have really clean lines or that I will go for my handstands. And so that's been really, really cool. And I've just like been working on every little detail to kind of tighten up my bar routine as much as possible. So yeah, and you're sticking your landing a bunch now too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps that I got my ankle fixed. Whereas like, I don't know how much you guys know, but last year I, so after I tore my Achilles, I like had tons of issues with my ankle and for months couldn't figure out what was going on. And the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And finally in November, so I tore it in January. And in November, I found out that I had this super rare ankle injury from tearing my Achilles. Like I did it at the same time. So it's so frustrating to spend that long, like trying to figure out what was going on. And I was told in November, Oh, you need another surgery. And I was like, Oh, like I want to compete my senior year. And so basically the coaches and I sat down and we had to modify every single one of my training plans. And we were like, okay, at this meet, this meet, this meet, you're going to compete bars and beam. You're going to compete beam here. You're going to compete bars here. You're going to compete nothing here. And so it was just like, how can we structure it? And so last year, I feel like I really missed a lot of that potential because I couldn't train as much and I couldn't practice the hard landings as much. So yeah, that's been a huge help. How are you feeling now? Was everything good? Yeah. I mean, everything is very solid. I have, you know, little aches and pains from gymnastics, but <laughs> most of this do. Definitely <laughs> feeling good. <laughs> so are you training floor at all? No, not anymore. I was in the preseason, but it kind of just became almost a threat to my other events. And at that point, like Arkansas is so stinking strong on floor. And it was like, why push it when it could possibly affect the other two where they really needed me. So decided to kind of dial back on that. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, speaking of Arkansas being going to Florida, my next question was as a team overall, Arkansas is absolutely killing it so far this season. You guys are ranked fourth as a team in the nation, third on beam and second on floor. What do you attribute that to? Honestly, preseason, we spent a lot of time working on little details and like 
we didn't even start putting floor routines together until later in the year, but we were so focused on really nailing each part and making it the absolute best we possibly could before moving on. And like beam, we focus so much on not only the skills, but also performing. And once you feel confident performing, like the skills are so much easier. Um, so I think that in preseason, just drilling those little things have really helped to kind of push us into season. Like it's been just so easy to hit our landings and perform. So yeah. And then as the resident Jordan Weber fans of the gym turnout, we have to ask you what it's like being coached by Jordan Weber. Cause I feel like I would die. <laughs> oh, you should have seen me the day I got her email, um, about looking at transferring here. I ran like around my house. I was on my crutches, like going up and down. I was like, mom, mom, I got an email from Jordan Weber. <laughs> like, I'm also a huge fan. So it was a major fangirl moment, but she is amazing. Like having her as a coach is so cool, but she's also just like a genuinely awesome person. And she cares so much about like every piece of us, whether that is like our school life or our personal life. And she's like so good about checking in on people and really just looking at them as a whole, you know? And so I think that helps a ton in gymnastics. And like, she is so confident that if we can fix it, like if we have a half tenth that we can gain, we're going to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's also really cool, super competitive. And it, it's been so fun. What event is she coaching? Floor. Okay. I but, thought, yeah, we should have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. But like, if we have a day where we're not doing floor at all, she kind of floats. So she'll come to beam and show us videos and she'll be like, all right, let's tweak this here. Let's do this. So it's fun. She puts her eyes on every event really. Yeah. I have to wonder like what it is about her with floor, because when she was at UCLA, they were like the number one ranked floor team. And now you guys are second as a team on floor. So I feel like she, just, she has like magic powers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of her assignments are so strategic and like in preseason, we do some crazy endurance floor sets but it's like it's obviously helping yeah. and she would tell us like oh when I was training for the Olympics I would do whatever and so she tries to kind of take what she would have done and make it fun instead of like just drilling us with these horrible assignments like we'll have partner assignments that are literally death worthy but like it's so fun because we have all these people doing it with us you know yeah so she's very strategic in her plans yeah I want to go back to last season when you were at Michigan your senior year and everything kind of got crazy towards senior night you didn't even actually get to have your senior night because the season got canceled so talk about that and like how you found out about that what you were feeling and you know how you handled that yeah. Um, kind of crazy. My mom works in the hospital, so she's been seeing it since the very beginning and she kind of not gave us a heads up, but it was almost like, I'm a little nervous. This is coming. And my sister has immune deficiency. She doesn't make antibodies. So like for me, I was a little bit more worried than more people on the team were. Um, but we were in class that week until I want to say Wednesday. And then we randomly get this email that Michigan state cancels classes. And then next thing we know, like we're in the middle of practice and Bev was like, Oh, classes are canceled guys. We're going online. And we're all like, cool. Great. Excited. <laughs> and then we go in for Thursday practice and we switched it to the morning because we didn't have class. And we got a text from some of our old friends in the PAC 12. Oh, our season just got canceled. And we were like, uh, is this going to happen to us? And then it was just like one conference after. And then Bev was like, excuse me, guys, I need to take a call. And we were like, oh no. And so we're all sitting there like patiently waiting. And it was the night before or the day before our senior meet. So we were playing all these games, having a freaking blast, just honoring all the seniors. And then next thing we know, she walks out and we're all just like instant deflation, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I think it was really tough to hear originally, but it was also one of those things where you're like, you know what, like the world is suffering together. Like, it's not just us. We're not the only ones being affected. There are people who are going to be affected way heavier than we are. 
And it was cool to kind of see us bond over that because yeah, it sucked that we lost the season, but like, it sucks way more for a lot more people. And so it was very humbling too. So I think there were a lot of different emotions when we found out. Yeah. Well, that's a really good mindset to have too. I think in the moment, that's really hard to think like that for some people, at least like I was a senior that, I mean, I was obviously in sports, but um, I was like devastated when my graduation got canceled because that was the one thing in my life that I was really looking forward to. But then it's like, yeah, you look around, it's like everybody is losing something. It's not just, you know, whether it's a sports season, a graduation, a loved one, like everybody in the world is dealing with it. So it kind of helps to put that in perspective. Yeah, for sure. Graduation was one thing that was just like, dang. Yeah. Did you guys ever have a graduation rescheduled? We, we did like a virtual one, but honestly it was crap. Um, they like, yeah. they quickly like just flashed everyone's names. It lasted like 10 minutes and I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think we had one with names. If we did, I was so unaware of it, but they sent us like a virtual video compilation of all the speakers saying, I think I saw that online thing. So it was kind of like, well, and I guess it doesn't matter what college you went to, but I feel like if I went to the University of Michigan, like that's to graduate from the University of Michigan is a really big deal. So, I mean, I guess everybody in college deserves recognition, but I don't know. I feel like you just worked so hard and then it's just like nothing. Yeah, it was a bummer. But, you know, like I went home pretty much immediately. And so I was with my family for that. And so we kind of just made our own little celebration and made the best out of it honestly yeah so when when this was all going on were you planning on taking a fifth year or was that kind of like did COVID happening like make you want to go for the fifth year so actually when I found out that my ankle needed surgery I was like I want to do more gymnastics and originally it was kind of like Maggie you could potentially put it be putting yourself at risk for more injury if you compete on this ankle. And so there was a chance that I was going to miss my senior year. So I sat down with my parents and I was like, I might be crazy, but I have this weird feeling that I have my best gymnastics ahead of me. And it, it might be right now, but it might be next year. And I have this eligibility. Like, I feel like I should pursue it. And so they were like, you know what, we'll support it, whatever. And So I kind of started in like December looking at the idea, but I didn't actually take any action until after COVID. So I never put myself in the transfer portal. I really only looked at like one or two school programs, just knowing, okay, do I have enough time to apply to them if I decide to do this extra year? So it was a little bit of both. Yeah. What made you decide to go to Arkansas? A number of different things. Um, From the beginning, just it felt different. And it was funny, like when I first talked to Jordan, I was so nervous, but like on the phone, she just, it was just so easy to relate to what she was saying. And we had such a good conversation and she was like, oh, we'll talk for like 10 or 15 minutes. We were on the phone for like almost an hour. And it was just like so fresh. And when I was doing some recruiting with other coaches, it felt like very pressured. And with Jordan, it was never, there was never any pressure. It was you let us know when you're ready, like tell us what you need. She would check in like every week or two and ask me about my ankle, ask me about my family. And it was just so natural. And at some point I was like, there were all these other things going on. I was like, I just feel like I'm really being pointed to Arkansas. And I just, I felt so comfortable making that decision, even with everything going on, because there were so many different things that were just like, it just felt right. Did COVID have an impact at all on your ability to like get acclimated with the team because of like social distancing and like all the rules and stuff that you had to follow? Was it hard to, I mean, not to get close to the team because I feel like it is easy with like technology nowadays to still communicate with people, but like, I don't know, was it harder for you to come into a new team when like you're not really allowed to be around each other that much? It was really hard during the recruiting process because like, so I went and visited a few campuses and it was like, I couldn't actually be within contact, like with any of the girls. So like I went all the way to Washington and I had to FaceTime the girls. And I was like, this stinks. Like I flew all the way out to Seattle and I couldn't see a single coach because there was that recruiting dead period. And I couldn't see the girls. I had to FaceTime them. And I, I mean, it was great. I loved Seattle. It was a beautiful campus, but I, it, there was just 
this barrier that we had to have because of COVID. And like, even when I came here, thankfully, like I've known Bailey Lovett since we were super young, we've competed together forever. And like, she was so gracious to like, take me around campus, but we still had to be super careful. I didn't meet any of the other girls until basically the end of August. So there was a little bit of a barrier, but I think now that I'm 22 years old, I have learned that like, you just got to be yourself. And if people don't like it, they don't like it. So I just kind of came in and was like, we're starting fresh, but we're also just going to be what we're going to be from the very beginning. So that made it a lot easier. Yeah. How is it balancing grad school with college gymnastics? Is it any different than undergrad or is it about the same? It's not a lot different. I mean, I would say the work is a little bit different. So like in undergrad, you have a lot of busy work and in grad school, it's like all very specialized and focused on whatever class it is. Um, we do a lot of like research-based reading instead of just like textbook reading or videos or whatever. Um, so we do a ton of like for my program specifically, like exercise science, we'll do a lot of case studies and clinical trials and a lot of like looking at the fine details of that. Whereas like an undergrad, it was like, all right, here's a definition, here's where it is in your body, you know? And so now it's like putting that into practice. So I would say like the amount of work is pretty similar, but it's just more specialized. Yeah. What is it that you want to do once you get your degree? I want to do occupational therapy with kids with disabilities. So pretty um, narrowed down, but (laughs) that's my goal, I should say. That was all we had as far as questions go. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? I've had such like an amazing experience and transition. And even though like we've had to limit so much with COVID, like we basically do not have social lives. It's like worth it. It's like one of those things that like, I don't mind. It doesn't even bother me to say that like, I can't go out and hang out with people or I don't know. We had a period of time where we were like basically required to pick up our groceries via the app thing where they'll bring them to your car and I was like okay whatever I like shopping but like if this is what we have to do this is what we have to do you know Mm -hmm. it's just like there's something about this team and these coaches that just make you like want to sacrifice thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode and we want to say thank you to Maggie for taking the time out of your day to chat with us and come on the show we loved having you on and of course we're going to be rooting for you and your team throughout the rest of the season so wishing you guys the best of luck make sure you guys are following us on all our social media platforms to stay up to date with the latest news we are at all things gym pod on facebook instagram and twitter and if you guys want to reach out we always answer our instagram messages as well as our emails you can email us at allthingsgympod at gmail.com we don't think we're going to have a new episode out next week but we do have a couple of exciting things in the works so stay tuned for that and we will see you guys soon have a great week